we have been in a series on meeting God in familiar places. Uh, talked about His total rule, meeting Him. And last time we talked about His comfort. And this morning I want to talk about His love. In Romans 8, a chapter I love as much as any chapter. I start to say uh, my favorite chapter, but I can't really play that game. But definitely a chapter that I love. That's, that just speaks so beautifully and clearly about God and what we have in Jesus Christ. And we're going to look at 28 through the end of the chapter. Um, just want to commend you. I thought last week um, we had a real blessing as we met together. And what made it a blessing was you, the people of God. Um, I was really touched by what Samantha shared. Many of us, I didn't know at the time, she had stayed home and listened to the service. And uh, if you hadn't read, she was just sharing how much she loves you guys and how much it meant to her to hear people say, God is speaking to me and I'm following him. I'm on, because, you know, it's about missions. I'm on mission. This is what God's up to. And, you know, I got to thinking about that as it moved me too. That's what church is. Hearing God and following His voice. That's why we're here. But anyway, as we look at His love, turn with me, Romans 8, 28 to the end of the chapter. I ask you to stand in His honor as I want to read aloud. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. For those God foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of His Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who is he that condemns? Christ Jesus who died. More than that, who was raised to life is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship, persecution or famine, nakedness or danger of sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let's pray. Lord, I am just amazed that you love me, Lord, and that you love each of us, Father. And as we look at your word, God, I am humbled by an opportunity to, Father, to share. And I am very aware of the fact that unless you, O Holy Spirit, speak, nothing worth being said will be said. And I pray, Father, that you might work way above and beyond what I am capable of. And that you, O oh God, might fill me and work through your word. And that we might be reminded that you love us, Lord, as we look at your truth, God. 
guide us, Father. We need you, Lord. May we leave here today saying, Jesus loves me. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. May we see that, and may one here, Father, for the first time receive that love, a saving knowledge of Jesus, we call it, where forgiveness becomes real. Thank you for that, Father. We ask this in your name. Amen. As we look at this, there are really two sections here that support God's precious love. The first section of Scripture in uh, 28 through 30 clearly tells us God loves us and therefore we can trust Him. And, and I want to look at that. We can trust Him. Second section of Scripture uh, starts in 32 and, and I mean 31 and works to the end of the chapter tells us <laughs> God is for us. Isn't it great to know that God is on your side? I mean, just an awesome truth. But anyway, uh, let me jump in here. 828, great verse of Scripture we've all quoted many times. And we love great verse to learn, memorize, put to memory. And I, I just want to take a couple of minutes and just bit by bit walk through this verse to remind us about God. He starts out here. He says, and we know. I just want to stop there a second and say, this is not just some wishy-washy idea here when we're speaking about God's love. As Paul speaks here, he says there is a confidence that you can place the whole weight of your life upon. You can know. You can rest assured. And I've always thought when I thought about God and the fact that He loves me, it's not all about me trying to hold on to Him. You know, sometimes when you're trying to hold on so tight, you lose your grip, you get tired, and what happens? You fall because you're too weak. You just can't hold on. But praise be to God, it's not about how tight I can hold on. It's about the fact He's holding me. You see, that's what it's about. It's about that He's holding on to us, and we know that, see? It's not just an iffy idea. It's solid truth. And what does He say? He says, we know that in all things... God works for the good of those who love Him. Let me stop there just, just a couple minutes. Number one, God doesn't just sit back, as uh, some teach, those called deists, that God just sits back and just kind of watches everything. Well, we just let everything unwind. That's not how God works. God is actively involved. God loves you, and God is at work. And, and we can trust in that. And not in some things, not in a few things, but in all things. In all things, He's at work. And He works for who? He works for the good of those who love Him. He, he's not working to hurt you. He, he, he's not working to cripple you. He has a plan for good. And, and that's important. That's critical because sometimes we certainly can't see that and, and we find ourselves discouraged. He says, for those who have been called according to His purpose. It's not for everyone. It's for those who have been called, who have received His call. And the last one, it's not my plan. It's for His purpose. <laughs> it's His plan that's bigger than my plan that I can't always see, but it's about His plan. Now, as we go down through here, I want to just analyze some truths here. Uh, verse 29, he said, For those God foreknew. First part here is God. God is so big, He knows all things. Like the little boy when he prayed and he said, God he said, uh, my grandfather tells me that you were around when he was a little boy. Just how old are you? God, it's amazing, but the Bible tells us clearly that God has always been. 
Before the beginning of time, God. In the beginning. God, God has always been, God is so great, God is so awesome, and in, in the fact of His greatness, in the fact of He is awesome, He knows you. You can trust Him, church, because He knows you. He knows you through and through. I love uh, Psalm 139, what a great section of Scripture. In just the first ten verses, He, he starts out, um, and as He shares he, he he tells us so clearly uh, how deeply that he knows us uh, he says oh lord you search me and you know me <laughs> he says you know when i sit you know when i rise he says you perceive my thoughts from afar he just says you discern my going out and you discern my lying down you're familiar with all my ways he says before a word is on my tongue oh lord you know it completely he says, you hem me in behind and before. You've laid your hand upon me. He says, such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. <laughs> he says, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? He says, if I go up to the heavens, you're there. <laughs> if I make my bed in the depths, you're there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will... God me, your right hand will hold me fast. What's he saying? He's saying God knows you completely. He knows everything about you and He loves you. What an awesome, great truth. The God who knows all. He, he, he foreknows. He's, he, he knows you thoroughly. And secondly, I want you to notice here, He's making us in the image of Jesus Christ. He says he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son so that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. He's making us like Jesus. Now, this means more than just being moral. It means more than just being a nice person, a good citizen. I love Peter Marshall's old statement. I've thought about it so many times. He said there's a difference between being goody-goody and good. God's called us more than to be goody-goody. He's called us to be good, but here's the problem. The Bible says I can't be good. Matter of fact, uh, the story goes that one preacher, man, he was preaching away on the cross. And I mean, he was clearly presenting the gospel and how critical the cross is. And, and at the end of the service, this, this guy came up to him and said, um, you are a very passionate speaker. But he said, I got so sick of hearing you talk about the cross. He said, what I think we need to do is just follow the example of Jesus. And the guy said, so you want to be like Jesus? He said, yeah. He said, so, okay, well, let me think about this. He said, uh, are you sinless? He goes, no. He says, have you ever sinned? He said, yeah. He said, well, then what you need is more than just an example. You need a Savior. And guys, when, when, when it's talking about to be like Jesus, it always starts there. It always starts at the fact, I need a Savior. And, and that's the good news about how much He loves us, is He sees the predicament. He sees our sinful heart. He sees our spiritual need, and there, thus Calvary. He, he loves us, and He's making us like Jesus because He's bringing before us that central truth that we need to be changed, that we need to be transformed, that we need to be forgiven, and it just flows out of our life as we begin to grasp that more and more. And, and thus, we become more loving because we understand we're loved. And that's what it's talking about here as He makes us into the very image of His precious Son, Jesus Christ. Then third, I want you to notice here, 
He says, those He predestined, He also called. Now, He called us. Often we think about calling. You know, you tend to think about a, a preacher being called or a missionary being called. You know, like the guy that was called to a much bigger church. He was going to get four times the salary. But he was a godly guy, so he was really praying about it. And so they asked their, uh, they asked his son, they said, uh, well, what's your dad going to do? He says, well, I'm not sure. He says, Daddy takes this very seriously. He's praying, but Mom's a-packing. <laughs> and... Uh, you know, there's, you know, there's that concept. But what we're talking about here, guys, it's more than being called to a position uh, vocationally. It's a position before holy God. And, and I want you to uh, uh, turn with me to John chapter 6. Near the end of the chapter, starting at verse 41, it says, At this the Jews began to grumble about Him, because He said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he say, I came down from heaven? Stop grumbling among yourselves, Jesus answered. <laughs> no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up at the last day. So Jesus said, guys, as much as you think being a Christian is a good thing, your eyes can't be opened and your heart can't be made soft until God calls you to Himself. He has to woo us. He has to open our ears, open our hearts because the Bible talks about us being blind. It talks about our hearts being calloused and, and, and not understanding we need a Savior, not understanding that we're sinners. He's got to call us. He's got to speak to us but before we can even move on to that, that next stage. Here's the beautiful thing though. Once He calls us, notice the next part. He says, uh, those he called, he also justified. Uh, justification, it, when God looks at you, he, he doesn't see, um, he doesn't necessarily see your behavior. He, he, he sees that you're changed. He sees that you have that same standing of his precious son, Jesus. Matter of fact, I wrote down a thought here. I said, this is not dependent on how firm I stand, but where I'm standing. And, and where must I stay, be standing? Upon Jesus Christ. It is taking His righteousness and it becoming my own. That's what it's about. There, there's a, a funny story I love among this. It says that years ago there was a guy that uh, over in England and he had a Rolls Royce and he had a lot of money. So he, he decided he was going to go to a different continent, ship his Rolls Royce over there and enjoy it well he had a problem and the car broke down and so he said what do I do you know and so he found a way to contact the Rolls Royce company and he said I've got a problem with my car it's broke down what do I do well they flew a mechanic over there and I mean he fixed it got back on the road everything looked you know everything looked great but he thought what kind of bill am I going to get this is this is this is going to be terrible well he didn't get a bill so a number of months later he contacted the Rolls-Royce company and he told them what happened. And uh, they said, well, sir, I don't know how to help you. We'll send you correspondence. Well, a couple more weeks went by and he got a letter and said, dear sir, thank you for your correspondence, but we have no record of a Rolls-Royce ever breaking down. 
And praise be to God, there is no record of Jesus not saving someone. You can trust Him. He saves. He, he saves completely. Um, it's not dependent on, on uh, how firm we stand, but standing upon Him, Jesus Christ. That's what we are. Last one here. Notice here, He also glorified. <laughs> he says here, those He justified, He also glorified. All of that is future. All of that is what waits us. We have been saved from our sins. We are being saved, walking in the power of the resurrection, and we will be saved when we gloriously enter His presence, and this battle of the presence of sin will be removed, and we'll be as we are meant to be, <laughs> right with Him in all of His glory. Uh, what a beautiful time that'll be. Uh, one, uh, one preacher had written, Heaven is an unknown region with a well-known inhabitant, our precious God. Richard Baxter, the old Puritan preacher, wrote, My knowledge of that life is small. The eye of faith is dim, but it's enough to know that Christ knows all and I shall be with Him. See, that's the kind of God we have that we can trust. Now, next part here, not only can we trust Him, this next section of Scripture here talks about the fact that He is on our side. What a beautiful... Verse 31, it's great stuff here. He says, What then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? And then we have a series of questions that, that just reminds us that God is on our side, our, our God, the victor. First question here, uh, they just read, If God's for us, who's against us? Yeah, if Satan, his horde, um, the world system... Hey, man, what's the worst thing that happened to us? You know, I can die and go to heaven. That's good. <laughs> so, you know, th th there's this confidence that, that He's for us. Uh, Satan's, demons, all of it. None of it's a match for Him. Second question here, uh, notice in verse 33. Well, first let me notice in verse 32. He tells us, He who did not spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us all. And then that question says, How will He not also along with Him graciously give us all things? Man, when you think about a God who did not hold back His very own Son, who was willing for Him to die at Calvary, how can you not trust a God like that? How can you not love a God who gives you what is most precious to Him? Because, man, you can't help but love Him. He's for you. He went to the ultimate extreme for your salvation, for my salvation. What a, what a, what a way to look at it. Uh, next one here. Um, notice that next question in verse 33. He says, Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. And although the devil, he's called in Revelation, the accuser who day and night hurls insults, <laughs> who is constantly berating and beating us down in the presence of God, uh, there's always... Jesus. No matter what he says about us, the Father just has to simply say, Jesus. Man, Jesus. That is who our Father sees. He sees Calvary. He sees the Lamb of God. He sees the forgiveness that covers us. <laughs> that, that's what we're marked by is Jesus Christ. Charge can't be brought against us because it's not about my righteousness. It's not about my failures. It's not about how I've screwed up. It's about Jesus. It's, it's you know, that cut and dry. Um, fourth question. Who is the one 
that condemns us. And, and you know, it's beautiful as you go through this, guys. Uh, verse 34, who is he that condemns? Christ Jesus who died. Now think about that. He's for you so much so that he died for you. More than that was raised to life. Praise be to God. That grave could not hold him. He's raised from the dead and is at the right hand of God. He is there at that place of authority, that place of majesty, that place of supremacy, that place that he's king of kings and lord of lords. And, and then that last part, and he's also interceding for us. He's there on our behalf. He's the one that's in the gap for us. He, he, he's, he's the one who, who, is, who, is there, who, who is there saying, He's mine. She's mine. <laughs> that one belongs to me. <laughs> and and uh, amen with that. And then, okay, one last one here. Who will separate us from His love? What a great, what a great section of Scripture. Um, in verse 35 as he says that and, and he gives this long list trouble, hardship, persecution famine, nakedness, danger, sword we're talking about a time when Nero was killing people regularly who was using Christians uh, as torches uh, and, it, and yet there is victory all through this pain and suffering we talked about last time about sheep how no one's really scared by a sheep because they're not very intimidating. But oh, the shepherd. But anyway, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. Commando sheep we are. I mean, no, no. Our shepherd in complete charge and victory. I love this. He says, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. <laughs> we are winners. We are victorious. We... We are on the side that says gold medal, victory, you win because of Jesus. It's that simple, really. comes down to that. Love is not some warm fuzzy. Love is a deep commitment. And therefore, as he closes this section of Scripture, what powerful words. He says, I'm convinced that neither death nor life, this passageway called death, it, it can't separate me. Neither angels nor demons, we, we know they're powerful, but can't separate me from God's love. Neither the present nor the future, time can't block the love of God. Nor any powers. That means that just in case I miss something, <laughs> nothing. Neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. What's he saying? He's saying his love is so sure. I'm convinced without a shadow of a doubt that I'm safe in the arms of Jesus. Now, here's the other side of it, though, that just to be blunt about it. The Bible makes clear that without Jesus, it's not good. Matter of fact, the Bible says we are condemned. The Bible says that we are without hope. The Bible says that we are headed to a place of torment. In a lot of churches, you don't hear a lot about that. But the Bible is clear. Jesus spoke three times as much about hell as he did about heaven. He has provided a gift. Do you think if there was any other way besides Calvary, God would have chosen it to free us from sin? There's no other way. It had to be Calvary. It had to be his suffering. It had to be his death. You see, when Jesus hung up on that cross and he said, 
And my, my, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He, 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 God looked away just for that moment because all of that sin was placed upon Jesus. But yet that would become the ultimate satisfaction of God because Jesus was the ultimate perfect sacrifice to pay for our sins and to give us a new start to give us eternity, to give us a place with Him in heaven. All that, all that came because of that gift. Uh, I love this little poem here. He says, His, by reason of creation, His, He paid the price for me. His, through the life-giving Spirit, His, because I want to be. And, and I, I pray... I, please don't leave here today without that being dealt with. It's one thing to hear about Jesus. It's different to know Him, His forgiveness, His sacrifice, His love. Receive His love. Don't just hear His love. Big difference to follow that love. Uh, there's an old story in the days of slavery of a young girl who her greatest fear was being sold to a cruel slave master. And she actually had people tell her, you know, somebody will buy you, they'll be mean to you, beat you. Um, your life is going to be a terror, a living nightmare. Well, she was put up on the slave auction block and people started to bid for her. One guy finally bought her. He purchased her. He went. He paid the money. <laughs> he got the bill of sale. And he went up to this terrified girl because she expected a life of torture. But that's not what happened. He came up to her. He handed her the bill of sale. And he said, you're free, dear. Go. And she didn't know what to do. <laughs> so as he tried to walk away... She followed him and she yelled, He redeemed me! He redeemed me! He redeemed me! What happened? She was so convinced that what awaited her was a life of misery and torture because she was a slave. She wasn't free. But what she didn't expect is that someone would purchase her and then set her free. And that's the story of Jesus. We look at God and the demands of a holy God and the problem we have with sin, and we say, God is going to punish us. God is holy. God is going to zap us because we know that we're messed up. But that's not what happens. We, we receive Jesus, and, and, and all we can do is sing, He redeemed me. He set me free. And that's to mark our lives. And what does all this come out of? His love. And as we close this time up, this, this service up, we're going to have a time to respond, a call, time we call invitation to respond to His love. Where are you with His love? Have you received His love? All this in this wonderful section of Scripture comes back to that simple fact Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. It does. That's what we've read here through the Scripture. But do you personally know? Let's pray. Lord, uh, Thank you for an opportunity, Father, to uh, look at your word. 
Meeting you in familiar places is a wonderful section of Scripture, God, that just reveals your mind, your heart, that you love us. Father, that we can trust you because you love us. And, Father, we need to be reminded you're not against us. You're, you're for us, Lord, you're, because you love us. And, Father, I just pray, whatever you're up to this morning, that we might respond to that love. Maybe to come to the altar to pray about something you've laid upon our hearts, Lord. It, it may be to share with this body of believers. It may be right where we are to make a decision for you. Maybe a decision for the first time to receive your forgiveness and a new start. Maybe uh, to do what you want to be done and we've just said no. And now it's time to say yes. I don't know what you're up to, Lord. All I ask is that we would say yes to whatever your call is, to whatever you have for us, Lord. Because the simple truth of the matter is, we know that all things work for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Father, may this time be yours. In your name we pray. Amen.